0: Amen. Philippians 3, uh, 7 and 8, basically Paul was talking about surrender. He's not just talking about surrender, but he's talking about his surrender. And he's saying that when you really understand surrender, see, see, most of us when we talk about surrender, we look at surrender in terms of loss. But Paul, when he talked about surrender, he looked at it in terms of gain. He said, whatever I have gained, I now consider and I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that I gain I now consider as rubbish in order that I may know Christ. How many of you know that when we see things from God's perspective and we see things from God's point of view, we begin to see surrender as a good thing, not a bad thing, as a positive thing, not a negative thing, and as something that produces great gain, not great loss. Yet so many times we are still, we have a redeemed heart, but an, uh, but a corrupt mind. And so we still disdain surrender. You know, we, we shudder at the actual word surrender. We like to sing it, but we don't want to live it. I want to talk to you this morning about a man by the name of George Mueller. He was a man known for building orphanages by faith in the mid 1800s. And, and this man literally raised millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yet he had no fundraising campaign, nor did he solicit finances one time. How did George Mueller receive millions and build orphanages through prayer? See, in God's economy, it's not about trying to get the most um, 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 uh, GoFundMe pages. It's who gets into the secret place and prays until what you do in secret is known in public. Right? He, he, He said, I will reward you openly when you go to your prayer closet and shut the door and pray in secret. And so George Mueller prayed and prayed and prayed and God rewarded him openly and he built orphanages and had millions of dollars. Yet when he died, he had little to nothing in his bank account. Why? Because he lived a life of surrender. He gave it all. Now speaking of his conversion experience, this is what he said and I quote. I was saved in November of 1825. But I only came to full surrender of the heart, which is fully converted four years later in June of 1829. The love of money was gone. The love of place was gone. The love of position was gone. The love of worldly pleasures and engagements was gone. God and God alone became my portion. I found my all in Him. I wanted nothing else. And by the grace of God, this has remained and made me a happy man, an exceedingly happy man, and has led me to care only about the things of God. End quote. Notice this man's um, vocabulary, his terminology, if you will. He says, "God and God alone became my portion. I found my all in Him. I wanted nothing else. I only cared about the things of God." Now, now, there's a lot of people that you know these days because everybody's got a podcast, and you know everybody's listening to sermons here, there, and everywhere. It's interesting. We have more now and do less. Yet they had less than and do more than we ever thought about doing. And so people ask me sometimes, they're like, man, who, who are you listening to? I don't, li- I don't listen to people much. I listen to the Holy Spirit. Because he, he can't never get it wrong. I was at a conference one time, and a guy said, well, who, who are you reading lately? I said, oh, you probably won't know any of the people I read. He said, why? I said, because they're all dead. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, man. I said, I love dead men, man. I said, because they still have more life in them than most people living. And when you throw your body on their pages, you come to life. You remember the prophet, Right? He died, his bones are in the grave, but guess what? When they threw the man into the grave, he sprung to life. See, I am telling you, we we have a lot of people that look alive today, but they're dead on the inside. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to display life. I want to be fully alive. That's one thing about cemeteries, man. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you paint it. I don't care how many flowers you put on it. It's still a graveyard. But George Mueller was one of those men that, man, we're still talking about. We're still learning from his life and his surrender. Why? Because many people today are unwilling to live that life. Many people today are unwilling to surrender like that man did. We are so unwilling to release full control. I mean, we want God, we just want Him to be co-pilot as we're the pilot. We want him in the car. We just want him to ride shotgun. We want him in the house. We just want to give him a corner of the house. Uh, You're not with me. We want Holy Spirit to show up on Sunday mornings, but we want him to sit on the back pew and behave. See, we'll follow him as long as it's safe and comfortable and in a line with Our preferences. See, we worship what's created in our image. Sadly, many of us have settled for a counterfeit Christianity that's more about us and less about him. Do you remember Paul who became Saul? He was so passionate and devoted to the counterfeit that it took him getting knocked off of his high horse, blinded, before he could truly see. maybe we came in today riding on a horse and could holy spirit want to knock us off of our horse what if many of us are just followers but very few of us are converts when will we move from being followers to converts because uh, beloved there is a tremendous difference look at your neighbor and say neighbor there's a difference See, followers get tired. Followers uh, look for easier paths. Followers turn back. Followers at times, well, stop following Followers always struggle. Oh, you know those people. But converts, they stay. They remain. They endure to the end. They want nothing else but Him, uh, and they care only about the things of God. Now, it is my prayer that through this message, we will see where we, you, 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 the man with the mic, stand before the Lord. You see, George Mueller, his comments and his testimony should provoke and inspire us to look at ourselves and say, Am I a follower or am I a convert? Because there is a huge difference. See, Peter can also teach us a lot about this subject because his life followed the path of Mueller's as well. He can show us how not to fall and how to live in times of refreshing. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 says this. Uh, Peter writing to the church, my brothers and sisters, try hard, somebody say hard, to be certain that you are really called and chosen by God. Isn't that interesting? Try hard to be certain that you are really called and chosen by God. If you do these things, you will never fail and you will be given a very great welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That passage is intriguing. That passage is interesting. And if you read it at first, you say, man, is that a gospel of works? Because Peter is saying, you have a responsibility in this thing. How many of you know it's not the one who starts the race, it's the one who finishes it. It's the one who endures to the end, the same shall be. Try hard to make sure you're chosen. Try hard to make sure that you're called. And when you do that, you will receive a very great welcome into the eternal kingdom of God. See, responsibility is placed on us, beloved. And if we respond, and if we are responsive, and if we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, one day we will enter in and He will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Many of us will hear, Well, period, done, period. Get your tail on in here. That's not good enough for me. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Baby, it ain't just about making it to heaven. Most of us just want fire insurance. I don't follow Him and serve Him and pursue Him because I get a get out of hell card. I follow Him and pursue Him and lay my life down because I'm in love with Him. It's a love thing. And so you love Him so much that you're like, whatever you want, you can have. Whatever you say, I'll do. Wherever you lead, I'll go. That when you get there, you have crowns with jewels that you can lay at his feet. I love it because here's the thing, beloved. you got to understand every single one of us are going to stand in the, before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will have to give an account for the things that we did. But here's the crazy thing about it is many of us are going to hang our head in shame because of the things that we should have did that we did never do. Right? The things that we should have done that we never it's it's not just the sin of commission but the sin of omission. Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, your greatest regret is the things that you didn't do, not the things you did do. He tells us that there's a way to enter in. Peter says, strive hard. Stay focused. Be sure that you're really called and you're really chosen. Now, how many of you know that the happening church in the B-I-B-L-E was the church at Corinth, right? The Corinthians, man, they were charismatic crazies. Chandelier swingers, holy rollers, shucking and bucking, hooting and hollering, speaking in tongues, signs, wonders, miracles. I mean, look. If there was ever a church that had it happening, the Corinthians had it happening. And by all appearance, you would say, if they don't make it, ain't nobody making it, right? I mean, that, that, that would be the church that everybody wants to go to because, man, they've got it happening. I mean, they've got everything. But I love this because Paul, in his letter to them, writes to them, and he kind of just, you know, I mean, that's how us evangelists are, man. You know, we're revivalists. We just, you know, we, we stoke the fire. We go where most people don't want to go, because we ain't got to deal with what everybody else deals with when we leave. Yeah. And he said, "You know what? Yeah, I know that you guys got it going on, and I know you speak in tongues more, more, more and more and more than anybody else. But how do you how many how do you know this? That I can guarantee you, Paul says that I speak in tongues more than you all." But at the end of his letter, he writes something very interesting to this church that is on fire, to this church that is producing great results, to this church that is growing and expanding. This is what he writes to a church that is on fire. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Time out, Paul. Don't you know who we are? Time out, Paul. Don't you know what we got going on? Time out, Paul. Don't you know what we're accomplishing? Yeah, 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 I do, but examine yourself. See if you be in the faith. See, in light of George Mueller's story, let's look at Peter's story. Luke chapter 22, if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Now this is the Last Supper and their last night together. And guess what they're doing on the last night together? There's strife among them because they're bickering about who's going to be the greatest among them. Then in the midst of all of that, in verse 31 of Luke 22, Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to sift you, or excuse me, he, he has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that your faith fail. how many of you are glad that Jesus is still interceding for us? Even when we act stupid. He said stupid in church, Yeah. So I pray for you that your faith fail not. And I love King James. Most of us, we don't read King James anymore, but, but for this text and for this sake, I want to highlight King James. It says, when you are converted, somebody say converted, strengthen the brethren. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and even die for you. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, you will say three times that you don't even know me. Now, isn't it interesting It's one thing to say you'll do something. It's another thing to actually do what you say. How many of you know that we uh, are just like that? We have big talk, but small walk. I told the first service, the great theologian Elvis said, a little less conversation, a little more action, if you please. Right? I know it ain't Bible, but man, it's good theology. It means don't just be a hearer but be a doer also, right? Beloved, honestly, every Sunday, we sing songs that we don't really believe. Uh Uh-oh. We do. We sing songs of surrender, but we don't ever surrender. I surrender all, and yet we can't even surrender our phone for 15 minutes to get up and do devotion. I surrender all, but we look at Facebook more than we look at his face. I surrender all, but it's more about Facebook than his book. I I surrender all, but the only thing we're going after is likes and followers. I'll get out of your hair in a little bit. Not right now. You know that song, it's an older song, it's called um, Breathe. This is the air I breathe, this is the air I breathe. Uh, I can't sing. Here, 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 help me. I'm desperate for you. You guys know that song? Isn't that a cool song? We like that song. We don't live that song. We love to sing it, but we don't, I mean, you know, how in the world, guys, we're singing I'm desperate for you and there's no hot tears running down your face, you're not on your knees, hands in your pocket. Thinking, when can I get out of service? When can we go eat some fried chicken? Because you know, fried chicken is Sunday. You ain't you desperate for chicken, not God. Give me a little bit of that white gravy on the side. Oh, I'm getting hungry, but I want him more than I want chicken. Come on, somebody. But, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. We, we sing I'm desperate, but there's no desperation. I mean, this morning we're singing about dancing. Are we dancing? Come on, somebody. There has to be a display. We can't just say it verbally. We need to live it. That was the Corinthians. Externally they had it going on, but internally he said, Oh, time out, examine yourself, and see if you're in the faith. Hmm. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way, and I quote, Christians don't tell lies. They go to church and sing them. How many times have we stood and sang, uh, take my life and let it be, and we haven't given him a scrap? End quote. You see, many of us are unbelieving believers. Can you imagine how Peter felt when the master said, when you're converted? I'm Peter. I'm the rock. I got the keys. And you're talking about, com- Jesus, I know you God and all. See, I got a little bit more time to massage this message right here in this one. Earlier, I, time constraints. But don't you, you know, that's how we are. God says sometimes, don't you know who I am? I got saved in 1964. I've been a deacon in the church for 20 years. Your title means nothing. How many of you know we got a lot of folks that's growing old in the Lord but not up in the Lord? I'm feeling a little kickback on that one, baby. So I'm I'm, going to move, I'm going to move, I'm going to move, I'm going to move. Say, just move. Can you imagine, Peter, when you're converted, I mean, what does the word convert mean anyway? Convert means this, to, to turn in mind, to change your mind, to change or to become another. The word conversion means to turn around or to turn about. To turn from and to turn to. Somebody say turn from. Turn to. Now work with me concerning this passage because Jesus makes a statement. When you are converted to a man who had forsaken all to follow Jesus. Mark chapter 1.18. Had casted out devils and healed the sick in Mark 6.13. Had walked on water in Matthew 14.29. I mean listen. He's the only one that got out of the boat, folks. Kudos. Applaud. You know, when Jesus got in the boat and he said, Oh, you a little faith. I don't think he was just talking to Peter. I think he was talking to the rest, the 11. Look, why didn't y'all get up out of the boat? Right? He says, when you are converted to a man who had received direct revelation, Matthew 16, that Jesus was the son, the Messiah. Remember? Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. Whatever you bind, whatever you lose, come on, somebody. Man, he's got a new name. He's got some keys. Jingle, jingle. I mean, you know, 16 years old and your parents give you some keys, you like feeling like the stud. Peter's feeling good. A couple verses later, he gets called Satan. Oh, I just thought I was Peter. Now I'm getting called. Get behind me, devil. That's how quick we can turn. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. We can't trust our own hearts. Just when we think we got it together, we don't have it at all. Humble yourselves in the sight of God that He may exalt you. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but it's okay. Get ready. Peter said, I'll suffer imprisonment. I'll die for you. Do you remember when Jesus was arrested? It was Peter who stood up and cut off an ear, man. This joker's bad to the bone, and yet Jesus, Messiah, Master, says when you're converted, buddy. He said you need to be converted. And That passage will make you think twice. will make you think deeply. Now, I know what some of you theologians, come on, we, know, we have Ambassadors College here. And you're going to say, well, you know what, Tim? John 20 hadn't happened. So Jesus hadn't breathed on him. I didn't receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 1, 8, but well, you will receive power. So he, didn't, he had power already, did he not? Casting out the devil, you got to have some power. That hadn't happened yet. You know what? The Holy Ghost had not, been, had not fallen and been poured out in Acts chapter 2. And, and what you are saying is good and fine and correct and great. But there's a hang up. Because though Peter was pre-cross, how many of you know that we are post-cross, and even Jesus has a bone to pick with us concerning this issue? In Matthew chapter 7, on the last day, on the great and final day, look with me in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 22, and 23. Matthew 7, 21, 22, and 23. Am I going too fast? I got a lot to say and not enough time to say it, so... We're trying to get it in there. Thank you for your patience. If we can keep going, say preach on. See, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize that they even got his name correct? Do you realize that we can get his name correct and still be wrong? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but here's the the kicker. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, so it's not just what we say, it's what we do. Okay, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? What is the greatest thing that the Corinthians church was, covet what? Prophecy, right? We prophesied in your name. Do we not cast out devils in your name? Do we not do many wonderful works in your name? We did some stuff, Jack. But Jesus is going to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Is it possible that we can claim him without him ever claiming us? Just because we call ourselves a Christian doesn't mean we're a Christian. And just because we call ourselves a church doesn't mean we're the church. So the question is this. What does it mean to be converted? Well, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus speaking says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go thereby. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and few find it. Right? I said this in first service, it's so true. Do you realize that the dimensions of heaven are already set but the dimensions of hell are not? Hell is enlarging itself daily. Many go that way. Only few go his way. You know, we're all about building buildings. He's about building people. We're all about filling buildings. He's about filling people. Come on. Oh, by the way, Jesus, he shrunk crowds. God shrunk crowds, ask Gideon. Jesus shrunk crowds, ask the disciples. Because, man, they are having a Holy Ghost party. Everybody's showing up in John chapter 6. And guess what? He says, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, and folks start. Because red letters aren't really popular. Much of what we have in the body of Christ today is commentary and not red letters. Let's keep moving. Luke chapter 13 verse 24. Jesus said, strive to enter in the straight gate. For many I say to you will seek to enter it but will not be able to. Now, I love this because Luke 13 24, Jesus says strive to enter in. He says there's responsibility placed on you. Does that not remind us of 2 Peter 1 and 10 where he says make sure, do everything that you can, strive. To make sure that you are called and you are chosen? See, remember George Mueller, it was four years after following Christ until he fully surrendered. Remember Peter, it was three years of following Christ until he was completely converted. Are you with me? See, Romans chapter ten, ten tells us this. It is with the heart man believes and is made righteous. It is with the heart man believes and is made just. Listen to me. Uh, Could it be that Jesus is in our mouth, he is in our head, he is in our schedules, but he is not in our hearts? Could it be that he is all around us but not in us? Uh, Could it be that we do the Christian thing without the Christ? Could it be that we watch Christian TV and we listen to Christian radio and we wear Christian clothing and we have the Christian bumper sticker and we go to church every Sunday but we don't know him We're around him, we're around it, but he is not in us. How many of you know it's, you know, I mean, there's people that do devotions every single morning and still act like the devil, have an attitude like the devil, live like the devil. Why? Because they got in the word, but the word never got in them. Right? Could it be that just like Peter, we are enamored and glittered and littered with the accessories, but not the main thing. Could it be about what we get, not who we get? What happens when God misbehaves in our eyes? What happens when he colors outside of the lines? What happens when he doesn't bow down to us and do what we want him to do? You know what? We take our ball and we go home. We poke out our lips and we pout and we whine and we say, well, you know what? I don't think I want to follow you anymore. Well, then take the alternative. It's called hell. Because we really are the ones that want to control things and we're really the ones that want to drive things. We're really the ones that want to, to and, and, and we will do this thing as long as it's on our terms. Mm. You see, we can know all the right words, have all the right activity, present all the right behavior, but still not possess the right heart. Uh, this is far too common. You see, we honor Him with our lips, yet our hearts are far from Him. We can be all around it and still be so numb. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 8. He said, they draw nigh to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I love the prophet. That's what Jesus was quoting the prophet Isaiah. Now, Isaiah 58, you want to know what the deal was there? Isaiah 58, they said, God, we're fasting, but you take no notice. We're making things difficult on ourselves, but you don't get it, God. And he said, no, 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 time out. Big boys, you don't get it. Your fast is for you, not for me. Oh, let's go rewind back to Isaiah one. God, we have new moons and we have sabbaths and we have feasts and we do this and everything else, and you take no notice. Why? Because uh, time out, Israel. The reason why you do what you do in for me, it's for you. It's for your likes. It's for your benefits. It's for your goosebumps. Oh, you know what I'm saying. Oh, as long as the worship team sings my song, I can jive. But they don't do your song in the lineup that Sunday you sent back. Well, you know what that song's really about? You, not him. I got these thinking church ward. Oh, this is traditional service, and this is contemporary service. What in the world? Quit trying to please everybody and just please Yahweh. Let me just say that if you try to please everybody, you'll please nobody. There's only one way, Yahweh. So let's get out of the way and let him have his way. And let's do what he wants. Let's sing what delights his heart. Let's sing what causes his foot to tap. You know, that's Acts chapter 16. Oh, Paul and Silas in midnight, they were singing his song, and his song came down and set them free. That's real worship. What do you want, God? What do you want, son? What do you want, Father? What do you want, Holy Ghost? You know what I'm saying is true. Leonard Ravenhill once said, God didn't come to be a shareholder. Forget it. He doesn't want, to share your life. He wants to own your life. He doesn't want partnership. He wants ownership. In quote. You know, we, we've reduced the gospel down to give Jesus your heart. He don't want your heart. He wants your all. Love the Lord your God with... all he wants it all he don't want some he wants it all he don't want a put por- he's not here to take sides he's here to take over listen jesus doesn't just want a room he wants the whole stinking house he don't want a portion of the service he wants the entire service he don't want just 10 percent of your money Because the prophet said, you rub me in ties and. Pastor, I'm trying to move. I'm trying to move. Glory to God. I just, you know, see the first service, i just getting warmed up. It's conversion that makes the difference. So where are we? Are we truly converted? Which Mueller do you identify with? 1825 or 1829? Which Peter do you and I identify with? The one who's left everything and gone back to nothing or the one who is hung upside down on a cross. You see, we have a problem with anything that requires our trust and total abandonment. We have a problem with relinquishing our will, our plans, our lives, and our agenda. But this is where conversion takes place. Conversion hinges on repentance. Repentance is the key to heaven. Repentance is dealing with our weakness and living in his strength. Repentance is dethroning self and allowing the king of glory that we sang about this morning to come in and have rule and have reign. Not just some, but complete rule and reign. Repentance is decreasing so that he can increase... You know, there's something about John 3.30. I must decrease so that he can increase. A lot of people are like, oh, that was just for John the Baptist, man. He just wants me to blow up. Look, we're all trying to be famous. Quit trying to be famous and get hidden. Repentance is the narrow way. Repentance is the difficult path. And repentance is the lifestyle of surrender. Listen to me. It is repentance that will get your tail in the kingdom. And it is repentance that will keep your tail in the kingdom. And repentance is not a bad word. It's more for the saint than it is the sinner. Because we get in this thing and we get all civilized and dignified. And we got it together. But you know what? Yeah, I mean, we do. We do. Oh, we've been in this thing now. That's, that's why I like somebody that just gets born again because they're just so raw and radical. They just don't even care. And we're so civilized and sanitized when the Holy Ghost comes, we don't even know who he is. He starts blowing and we think it's their condition. The fire of God comes along. We better call the fire department. Don't call the fire department. Get in the flames. I I, I told the Lord, I said, God, I want you to turn the heat up in my life. I did. Holy Ghost, burn, consume, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to me. See, it's very important because many of us fail to follow through in our repentance. That's why we struggle so much. That's why we keep falling. That's why many of us live so Frustrated. Right? Because repentance has two meanings in Scripture, which means it has two parts. Somebody say, two meanings? Two parts. Two meanings? Two parts. Now, I'm going to get you out of here in a little bit, and you can eat as much food as you want to. You can even go for seconds, but right now, let's stay in the Word of God. Amen? I love, it, man, some of you young people, you can play video games for three hours, but you can't sit in the Word of God for 30 minutes. Oh, you'll spend, you'll spend $20 to go watch Avengers for two hours and 20 minutes, but you can't stay in church for an hour. Look, we don't have a night service, so you might as well get everything you can right now. Look, I'm going to give you seconds and thirds and dessert on top of that, baby. And some sweet tea, because you know we in the South. Look, I won't even eat if I ain't got no sweet tea with it. I'm just messing with Two meanings, two parts. Meaning number one is this, to regret something that we've done, to be anxious about it, to have pain of mind and to change the purpose, okay? So part one of repentance is to turn from. Somebody said to turn from. Part two is this, to recover one's senses, to come to the right understanding, to change your mind, to change your heart, okay? So part two of repentance is to turn from, excuse me, to turn to. Part one is to turn from, part two is to turn to. All right, so repentance has two meanings, two parts. It is I turn from, and then I turn to. Let me give you an example. Judas, Judas Iscariot. How many of you know that Judas repented, but he still went his own way? Why? Because he only completed one part of repentance. He turned from, but he didn't turn to. Now, now, let, let me get into some theological debates here. But we know that it was destined for Jesus to be betrayed. We know that. We know that it was destined that one of his very own was going to betray him and that Jesus was going to go to the tree. But how many of you also know that he was the only one that should have gone to a tree? Judas should have never gone to a tree. And how many of you also know that there was still forgiveness for Judas even in his state? The Bible says that he repented, he took the 30 pieces of silver, he tried to give it back, but it did him no good. Because here's the thing, he turned from, but he didn't turn to the Christ. He didn't turn to hope, he didn't turn to love, he didn't turn to forgiveness. He ran and hung himself on a tree, but that is not God's will, because it is will that none perish, but that all come into repentance, including Judas, because that is the Father heart of God. But his repentance was incomplete, therefore his conversion was not only delayed, but his fate was sealed. This is how come we can have so many people that go to church, but will never be the church. This is how we can litter the land with lighthouses and yet still dwell and see so much darkness. This is the way that we can have what is called a Christian nation, America, and yet still be the most immoral nation on the planet. This is how we can have American Christianity, which is nothing more than self-help and self-enhancement. It only leads us to us, and it is not biblical Christianity. Let me ask you a question. Could it be what we call saved? He does not. Could it be what we call Christian? He does not. Could it be the standard that we present and uphold is natural and earthly and it's not supernatural and heavenly? If the amount of claimed Christians in America were truly surrendered, this nation would be on fire for God. If the amount of claimed Christians were really Christians in Pinson, hell would be put out of business in this region. If the amount of claimed Christians were really Christian, Alabama would live up to its name, a forerunner, a thicket clearer, and we would hasten the return of the Lord. Listen to me. Uh, Just like the prodigal son, we want everything that we're entitled to as kids of the kingdom, but we want to do it our way and we want to go our way. We have the prodigal son syndrome. Give me mine, God. Because I want to do my own thing, but I still want to be attached to you, and I still want your resources, and I still want your backing, and I still want your blessing. Jesus is the king of kings. He's not Burger King. You know, Burger King is have it your way right away. At Burger King now. He's the king of kings. Again, there is only one way. What way? Yahweh. His way, right? See, many of us turn from, but we fail to turn to, which eventually leads us to turning back. Case in point, do you realize that there are many, many, many ambassadors college, there's Bible schools, you know, we're connected to ramp school of ministry, different people and different ones like that, that we love and we adore. But how many of you know, man, they're packed, they're full, Bible schools are full, but man, where are the ministers at? Where are the teachers and the leaders? Where are the prophets? Where are the apostles? Why? Because you got a lot of people that turn from, and they commit for a minute, but then they eventually turn. Because here's the thing. If you turn from, but you don't turn to, you'll eventually turn back. And the Bible is very clear that on that day, the love of many will wax cold. On that day, there will be a great falling away. There will be both awakening, but there will also be Apostasy. And I'm telling you, man, you have all these people, and it's like, what in the world is the deal? Dropping off, dropping off, dropping off. I've got a good friend of mine, Chris and he actually came uh, and preached here, you know, after our missions trip with Pastor Larry to Nepal. And Chris, out of his class, he went to Rhema Bible uh, 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 College. And at his graduating class, he's the only one, Pastor Sandy, that's still on the front lines doing it out of his whole class. Now, that's a great movement, and they preach a good work. Come on, somebody. They Holy Ghost people. But again, you can't just turn from. You've got to turn to, and you've got to keep turning to. I'm going to try to land this plane here. Let me give you the case in point. Uh, how many of you know Peter's story doesn't end with him denying Christ? doesn't end there, which means I don't care who you are, where you are, and what you're doing, your story ain't over. There's a great book called I See Greatness in You. You need to check out. I hope I get a copy before I leave. That's a plug and also, you know, hook a brother up. His story wasn't over there. But how many of you know that he has an encounter with Christ that is phenomenal in John 20, but that wasn't even enough? Because John 20, he, he and the disciples encounter. Look, there's three encounters, three main encounters before the ascension. And John 20 is the second encounter in those 40-day period, right, after resurrection. And he encounters, and the Bible says that he breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost. But then you get to, how many of you know what's after 20? Next number after 20 is what? Chapter 21. I'm so glad you're with me. Some of y'all was like, huh? 21, 21. Get this. 21, Peter decides to go back fishing. He says, I'm going fishing. No, 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 Peter, you ain't called to be on a boat out in water pulling up. Fish, your call to fish for men. But Peter went back to what was easy. He went back to what was familiar. He went back to what was comfortable. He went back to to what What was what was um 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 in his wheelhouse. But how many of you know that even when you don't turn all the way to, Jesus will come running after your behind? And if he wasn't hanging on a tree, he would have been standing there holding the legs of Judas saying, let's get that noose from your neck. Somebody in here, you need to hear. This is your breakthrough. This is your moment. This is your chance. God has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He's actually standing right beside you saying, I know your name and I've got your number. Peter is fishing, and all of a sudden, he hears somebody saying, Hey boys, you caught anything? It's a familiar voice, but they really don't know who it is yet until he says, Cast your net on the other side. And you know the story. They cast their net on the other side, and what do they do? They pull up a grate catch that they couldn't even get. Now, I love this because the, just look at the parallels here. Do you realize the first encounter that Peter had with Jesus was exactly like this encounter? Our God does all things well. You remember the first encounter with you? He gets in the boat. He's a carpenter. Peter is a fisherman. He says, hey, take me fishing. Fisherman, I've been fishing all night. I'm ready to go home. Take me fishing. Whatever, man. Get in the boat, carpenter. You think you're going to teach me something? They get in the boat. Nonchalantly, they're out there. And this is what Jesus says. Hey, Peter, cast your net on the other side. Guess what happens? Again, an incredible catch. And at that moment, what does Peter do? He falls down and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now, in John 21, the same thing's happening, and they catch a catch. And this is what John, the beloved, says. It's Jesus. And again, in Peter's story, he, he gets a do-over man. He gets out of the boat again this time and he's running after Jesus. And he gets to the shore and Jesus has fish and bread and fire. Now, now get this. I think this is so interesting because Peter was, where he was denying Christ was, which, which was strange fire. He was warming his hands by the fire because why? He knew he needed fire in his life, but he was at the wrong fire. But Jesus had provided another fire for him. And he said, come, come, come to my fire. Come to the authentic fire. Come to the real fire because I'm going to set you on fire. And then they have a dialogue and he says it this way. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Well, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? "Yes, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus talks to him about surrender. He leads him to the place of surrender. I think it's so beautiful. Because at that time and at that moment, Peter realizes that he's actually going to die for the Lord. Jesus indicates how he's going to die, and Peter says, all right, I'm all in. No longer on my terms. On your terms. Let me ask you this, and I'm gonna close. I still have some more things I need to say, but I'm gonna wrap it up for time's sake. But let me ask you this: what needs to change in you? What needs to change in your situation? What needs conversion or what needs to be converted? Where do you find yourself at? at? Are you a follower? It's not enough. Are you a convert? Have you turned from and to? What part of your life needs repentance that produces conversion? See, not only turning from, but turning to. And here's the thing. If we will change our minds, He will change our hearts. I don't want to be in the category in Matthew chapter 7. And I said, Jesus, look at my resume. Jesus, look at everything that I did. Jesus. He says, Yeah, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. If that passage alone doesn't cause you to take inventory and cause you to shudder, then man, I question if you're even alive and have a pulse. Where are we really? Which Mueller do we identify with? Which Peter do we identify with? Who are you really? Where are you at in this thing called repentance and in this thing called surrender? Because it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to give it all. And give it all tomorrow. And give it all next week. And give it all next year. And give it all until you're before him in all.